talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing. We'll be discussing episode 15 of season 1 of Aaron Sorkin's seminal television show, The West Wing. I'm your first host, Stu. And I am your other host, Dave. And we watched this episode with a lot of uh, anticipation because we get to see Edward James almost return to the fray um, as a big plot point in this particular episode. And we'll do our typical plot recap kind of out the gate here, but I do want to note that the structure of the scripting and the device that they use to move the narrative along this time around is very bizarre. Yeah, so here we get our the first take of the show kind of going experimental, I'll, I'll say, where we get a framing device. Like, I feel like someone watched Pulp Fiction recently or something, because there's a little bit of non-linearness involved where the framing device is of Josh presenting the events of the episode <laughs> to this, like, college symposium class thing, open forum sort of discussion thing that he's at. Yeah, and it's um I mean it's it's again I was wondering before we we started recording it's like is this sort of just a very thing of the times I mean um it's it's in the format of in inside the actor studio yes. is the closest uh, sort of a comparison. Yeah, I, I, I viewed it as like my honors college had a college symposium where we would bring in like speakers and you just listen to mm-hmm. them for like an hour and a half and it wasn't you know it was like a pass fail type thing. I viewed it kind of like that, like oh we're bringing no. in you know this government official to talk for you know about affairs <laughs> uh, about in this case him being a complete dipshit <laughs> and trying so, to cover for himself but we'll get to that <laughs> yeah the the like the the central part of the episode involves um there there's kind of three things going on uh josh shows up at the symposium and narrates it in reverse and over an accelerating timeline where at the very final five minutes of the episode his narration syncs up with real-time events that are happening which okay sure like yeah that that's that's fine it's like, fine sort of interesting like it, it doesn't add anything but i guess neither does it really subtract anything it's just sort of an odd choice really yeah it's sort of like wandering around in the woods yeah like, we okay, still get the meat right. of the episode still mostly progresses in a usual fashion that it would uh our cold open's really interesting because like i feel like sam is in his own like action movie world where he like you know flips open a phone and it's you know <laughs> it's like shot at a cool angle and he like i need a car right now and like it, it I, I don't know i just the cold open energy caught me by surprise uh, yeah, and, then, and they're also like you said they're they're sort of like they're like being funny and sassing each other and like dunking on each other. Yeah, it's, and very, it's very lighthearted. Yeah, well, and and so this is what what ha- what's happening is that Josh is narrating in the past that the news comes out. There are three bits of news that come out. One is that um, EJO at uh, Mendo- Roberto Roberto Mendoza has been. <laughs> arrested in Connecticut on his way home from um, vacation in Newfoundland mm-hmm. or Nova Scotia, excuse mm-hmm. me, <laughs> one of those forbidden North things. Anyway, um, because the other sort of plot point here, one of the cabinet secretaries, the secretary of housing and urban development played by a spectacular character actress, CCH Pounder yes. in this episode 
was giving some sort of um, press thing or speaking in a hearing. And she was on a Sunday show, I think. Oh, that's it. Okay, yes, yeah. you're right. Um, and was asked a question about implying that some Republican representative or figure was a racist because they treat HUD that way. Yeah, and they I treat- believe her answer was, yeah. if the shoe feet fits. Yeah, which is, of course, a, a giant 11-level scandal. A giant dust-up, you yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> 11-level on a scale of 10 scandal. Um, that must be addressed immediately. So yeah, so on his way back to the White House, Mendoza is pulled over for suspicion of drunk driving. Uh, the actual reason he has per- pulled over is driving while Hispanic, um, which he'll he will enunciate greatly at the end of the episode um, in some really nice bits of of acting. But um, and then the th- the reason that he was recalled, just sort of to relate it back to the secretary thing, is that he commented on her reaction that was it to it and her statement to the press was appropriate or i don't i don't remember how they frame it but basically he agrees with her rather than the administration so of course the white house flips out and is like get that motherfucker back here right he's like eh, i'll see you in a couple days because i gotta drive back from vacation (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) which is also great yeah which they all flip out at the casualness that he treats the request which is fantastic (laughs) uh and then so what's the third? Oh, so the, the third major thing is that CJ has dentist surgery, uh, <laughs> and to put it in her own words, has woot canal. Yes, she <laughs> has a emergency woot canal <laughs> that basically results in her having to cancel the briefing. Right, which, well, in theory, which would have been the smart thing to do, but then we wouldn't have our third episode subplot, which is that mm-hmm. Josh decides, no, 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 I shall handle the briefing. <laughs> uh, yes, which, and because hope. Josh is smug and full of himself and a real piece of shit. And hilarity <laughs> ensues, uh, yeah. as, as it would want to do on television. Um... Yeah, so we, uh, I mean, those are kind of the three overarching issues. The plot progresses pretty, pretty quickly at that point. Like I said, once you get out of the framing device, the the regular meat of the episode goes at its pretty normal clip. Uh, It's just that we take about seven minutes of the episode to to shoot back to this framing device a few times where Josh gets a phone call to remind him about the events of the plot. Yeah, to, to bring it back to the present. Where he talks about what happened that is being referenced in the past at right. the time. And where we get our yeah. title of Celestial Navigation from, which is that they're trying, <laughs> Sam and Toby are trying to navigate to the jail where Mendoza's being held somewhere in Connecticut, uh, and they're having comic difficulty with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it's they, they're they're on the road and it's dark out and they're trying to get to wesley neither of them which, are by the way from doesn't Ken- exist connecticut <laughs> yeah. and so they're calling josh and being like hey you're from connecticut you know where this place is yeah <laughs> it's just like i don't fucking know man like off a of parkway which let's be clear the parkways fucking suck but it's like ah, why how the hell should i know man this, why are you calling me i'm on stage this is an interesting snapshot of a pre-gps on everyone's phone world <laughs> where yeah. it was, it's still possible to get lost <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. without being able to unlose yourself extremely quickly yeah <laughs> um yeah and so i think like other than that the three things we want to talk about really they go along with the plot Sort of. So that's a good enough wrap up at this point. Let's dig yeah. in on the issues. 
Okay, so let's the most comic and best best part of the episode is everything involving CJ and her Woot Canal. Um, so she shows up with cotton in her mouth, and Allison Janney does fantastic. I assume she had real cotton to work with as well, <laughs> but just does fantastic stuff of every time she says president or briefing, uh, it's fantastic. I have to cancel the briefing. You can't cancel the briefing. Look at me. You'll be great. I can't do the briefing. Why not? I, I can't even say briefing. Yeah, and so the, the reason that she ends up in this situation is like they've got to brief about the HUD secretary's uh, gaff, if you will, mm-hmm. because right. the administration collectively nothing else is happening. Yeah, the administration collectively steps on its dick in one of the president's public appearances and says that like yeah. we're going to have to have this briefing. Oh right! A- at some point down the road, and so right. You know, I think Allison Jenny had, or CJ, gosh, had initially just not bothered. And she was like, okay, now we've got to shove all this shit in the two o'clock briefing. Plus, now I've got this dental surgery. So, what ends up happening right. is Josh is like, oh, no problem. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which both CJ tries to tell him, no, of course you're not doing the briefing. And then Danny Kakana tells him, like, Josh, really, you should not do the briefing. Uh, and Josh, full of himself, as always, says, no, of course I'm doing the I'm, briefing. I'm way smarter than you, you stupid uppity journalist. Check it out. Let me tell you something, me compadre. You guys have been coddled. I'm not your girlfriend. I'm not your camp counselor, and I'm not your sixth grade teacher you had a crush on. I'm a graduate of Harvard and Mary, and I believe that my powers of debate can rise to meet the Socratic wonder that is the White House press corps. Okie dokie. Look, I'm, gonna, I'm credential checking myself here, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so uh. Danny is like, all right. I, I'm not going to pull punches for you, my man. Have fun. <laughs> and and basically gets him in one by redirecting the entire briefing from the, you know, the initial conceit, which is that, um, you know, the, the HUD secretary said this, this horrible thing about racism or whatever, to he basically blindsides him with a question about the strength in the economy causing inevitable. I, I don't even, I can't remember if he uses the word inevitable but he, causing inflation. And yeah. to briefly diverge into the politics of this, it's like we just operate from the neoliberal economic like status quo here. Like We assume that uh-huh. inflation's automatically going to happen and also that it's uh-huh. bad. And there is and all, right. no interrogation whatsoever of these concepts. Like, the, whenever people hear the concept inflation, they immediately flash back to like 70s hyperinflation and not just the normal inflation that happens with like a growing Keynesian economy. Yeah, and just ig- also ignore the, the fact that often fiscal policy is completely divorced from monetary policy, especially when you're the yeah. reserve currency of the planet. Yeah, so basically the, the actual question is if wages go up, isn't that bad? <laughs> Uh, yes. and, and it would have just been a real easy answer to be like, no, in fact, wages going up is good as long as we keep, you know, the CPI, the consumer price index low and buying power remains, 
you know, equal or better. Yeah, equal or nominally you know? better. Yeah, exactly. There, there was there was an easy out for this, but Josh gets himself convolved in a web of trying to both be sarcastic and egotistical <laughs> at the same time, and creates a secret plan to flight inflation. Which then is, you know, because we have credulous reporters and it's the year 2000 and they won't just ignore everything the press secretary says, becomes mm-hmm. reality. Because it's, it's right. out of the mouth of the White House spokesperson at this point. And he also does another very 2018 where he literally says, are you sure you want to ask a question that stupid? Yeah. Like, oh, oh man. It. That's what he opens with. <laughs> yeah. That's that, that's his first thing he says after, like, welcome everyone. And again, let's be clear. This is the kind of what happened last week with Donald Trump. <laughs> Like this show, like you know, it's a very. I said to you when we were pre-discussing this, it's a very Scaramucci-esque mm-hmm. performance, <laughs> essentially here. So, like in a weird way, art imitates life, imitates art, yeah. kind of moment. And then there's this this fallout of his quote-unquote secret plan to fight inflation is that they got to tell the president about it because the president's been out of town and like he's sleeping right. and the president's grumpy about it. He's like, oh god, now we're stuck with having to do this shit instead of just being right. like. Or honestly, the 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 lack of solutions to this issue, which actually isn't that bad, is just is somewhat bizarre because it's like it's it's dumb. Like, just say we don't actually have a secret plan to fight inflation. Like, just go go back into another briefing and say, yeah, here's what's actually that was. That's ridiculous. The the inflation's not not bad. Everyone calm down. (laughs) The economy is good. At least their their fictional economy is good. And, and in, instead, we're so conflict averse that it's like, oh, we just accept the premise that this is going to be what we're going to have to worry about from here on now. Because for yeah. some reason, instead of us creating reality, the press corps is creating reality. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, and I so think they the, said the ultimate resolution here is that even if CJ has blood spurting from a head wound, she will do the briefing <laughs> from now on. And they also, you mentioned that the the whole administration gets to dunk on Josh for being an idiot. <laughs> yeah, which is great. So after the briefing, everyone gets a chance to show up and like shit on Josh in succession, starting with Donna, who just just flips out of him like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah. Uh, and then CJ comes in to add in a little more. What the hell was that? Uh, Toby then tags in from the ropes, and by God, is that Sam Seaborn's <laughs> yeah. music? Because yeah. he just comes it's, stone cold busting it, in. It's a fucking Royal Rumble, and Josh is on the losing <laughs> end of this. <laughs> so that part of it's all really, really good. Um, well, and it's also I so love- what's interesting is that it. I mean, I guess actually now that I'm thinking about this more, is that the Josh's failure is his narrative arc for his presentation to this group of college students, where ostensibly he's been invited because of his capability. Right. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess the presumably they're like, well, we're going to ask him about this big recent, you know, public failing. Uh, so I guess he kind of knew he was going to step into it. Yeah. And th- that's fine. Uh, like it's, it's okay to be, to you know, be vulnerable in that regard, but it's still sure. This note about the two go- college girls being like, Oh, you're great. When he walks out. For the break. <laughs> it's like, Jesus the- Christ. The, the sex appeal of Bradley Whitford. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna continue to push this. Just keep on pushing it. It'll stick someday. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's funny on on the show with Rob Lowe that they keep trying to push Bradley <laughs> Bradley Whitford as like, no, the college girls are into this guy. Trust us. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. Self insert writing here. Like, good job. I'm sure the college girls are wild about you, Aaron. <laughs> oh man. Um, just a, a note about Sam though. He we find out in this episode Sam is nuts for dental hygiene. Uh, and also knows an incredible amount of highway trivia. Mm. Uh, Sam is a very weird character, and now I kind of get why him and Mallory never hooked up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, never really dated. Past that once. He is really, like, and it's, it's bizarre because, again, sort of the protagonist effect takes hold because you're, and, and frankly, Rob Lowe's stunning, handsome, good Mm -hmm. looks and he's very charismatic. And he's very charismatic. Generally, yeah. it's just he has these weird quirks that are just in a in a less good-looking, less charismatic, or maybe more charismatic person. This would be like a serial killer level of. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Sam is like fun to hang out with <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. And again, we're pushing we're pushing Bradley Whitford sex appeal real hard here, so maybe that's part of the like we're, we're yeah. moving in you that You know what? Direction. Like Josh, Josh could be fun to hang out with. Like I could imagine like hanging out with Josh at a ball game, and he just gets a little drunk, and you actually have fun with him. I can't imagine that with Sam. Sam, Sam would just get weirder and weirder, and and <laughs> he would deeper. be rattling off weird yeah. baseball <laughs> trivia from from the nineteen tens or whatever, yeah, and proving he's very <laughs> smart, but about very strange subjects. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps up the 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 Woot Canal plot line. <laughs> yeah. So we, like, we <laughs> and, can actually uh, talk about the real political stuff now. Yeah. Let's let's do. So the big kind of con- I guess um, conflict inciting that, incident. Yeah. The, the the incident that that kicks off sort of the, the plot line for the episode is the fact that the secretary of HUD, whose character's name is Deborah O'Leary. Played by wonderful character actor CCH Pounder. The CCH, I just learned today, stands for Carol Christine Hilaria. Hmm. Um, she's been a character actress for 40 years now. Um, I actually have never seen The Shield. That was sort of like in the modern era. That's her signature role. She was on that show for forever. Um, but she's just in, she's all over the place. Like you'll see her pop up in. All sorts of places. You said uh, she's the uh, Batman vo- video games. Yeah, she's the voice of Amanda Waller on the Justice League and in the Arkham games. Um, funny <laughs> like, enough, apparently now she's on NCIS New Orleans, which I did not even know existed and kind of wish didn't. <laughs> CBS, but- America's Most Watched <laughs> Network. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, so she plays uh, the the HUD secretary Deborah mm-hmm. O'Leary, and the 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 whole conflict centers around her functionally Call, calling out yeah. a Republican yeah, so, for being racist. Yeah, basically saying like, hey, you shit over public housing, you know, it, because it, minorities use public housing more than white people. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, are you calling me racist? And he, she, he goes, if the shoe fits. With essentially saying, yes, I am. Yes. And so I, I haven't figured out, because this is the first, other than, I don't think... Justice Mendoza really counts because he wasn't given much of a platform to express this. So I've been going back and forth on whether I count this interaction in this scripting as somewhat tokenistic and exploitative. See, I was thinking that too. 
um, well, on my first view, and I actually had in the notes here of just like it. It feels very Sorkin-y to be like, okay, let's have this minority character be allowed to be like super right and call out this issue. Um, yeah, it does feel tokeny. It's and to be fair, you may end up caught between a rock and a hard place when you try to articulate issues like this. If you had. If you had put her argument in the mouth of a white man, sure, like, uh, like we are now doing, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and it's not saying that it's wrong by any means, but it does feel, you know, it feels like you know we brought in a black woman for this episode just to make this point, you know, yeah, because we'll never see her character, right? Because that's the thing. It's one thing if a regular did it, and you know, or if we had a regular black woman. On the show, you know, which notably the show does which not have yet. Which notably we do not. <laughs> notably, yes. the show does not yet have. Uh, so that's why that's what makes it feel just like a little, a little gross. But at the same time, she is right. She is allowed yes, to 100%. stay right for you know in the framing of the show. She she retains the moral high ground through the whole thing, and the White House reacting badly to what she did causes the problem, not her. Yes, there is that. It's that the uh, as I said earlier, like it's the White House stepping on its own dick. Absolutely. In this context, not by any fault of her own. Absolutely. So yeah, if like if yeah. it had just been that, it would have been a minor thing easy to, you know, just kind of ride out of a news cycle, but because of the fuck-up, it becomes a much bigger thing. It's also interesting how this time around we take a step back and use her to, I mean, it's it's a few, it's a few minutes out of the 44 we have, but to use her to really just skewer Leo. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have spent some time over the last four or five episodes developing Leo's character out to be more sympathetic, you know, include more dimensions to his character. And it, it seems an odd time to have him now, granted, he's speaking in his capacity as the administration. Right. So we get this sort of weird position rather than yeah, a man. Yeah, you definitely don't again. think like it's his own personal views he's talking about because he, he makes all his arguments in like a political expediency type argument way <laughs> yeah. where he's just arguing for like, yes, but it's a problem that you said it. I don't care if it's true or not. <laughs> like, yeah. And just, you know, very, a decorum based, like when they go low, we go high type mentality. And we all know where that gets you. <laughs> yes. We, we, we figured, we figured out how well that works over the last, Oh, 10 years. Right. Or so. And I mean, I, the things I wrote down was, you know, after 10 years, of this garbage, the the administration has fiat control over HUD because it's part of the executive, and that's part of the delegated powers. You know, she is actually the the conflict that she's reacting to is a power of appropriations that is reserved to the legislative branch. However, her actions and control over that money eventually devolves entirely to the Bartlett administration, and the point nowadays in my reading of having these secretaries at all is to let them run shit how your overriding ideology demands while being somewhat shielded from the consequences on both sides of the equation because a i guess until fucking ryan zinke started doing shit when in whitefish montana nobody knew who the goddamn secretary of the interior was right when when you're on tv and you're talking to Americans or whatever, I bet you, even today, yeah. 90% of the American Can't public couldn't tell you. Can't name a single secretary. 
you know? Yeah, couldn't tell you that Rick Smart Glasses Perry somehow is still the Secretary of Energy. Right, or, yeah, or that Ben Carson's <laughs> in charge of Health and Human Services. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it, exactly. I think you're spot on here. That's, that is sort of the point. And Bartlett's reaction to this whole fiasco is also very sh- shocking, where he's just appalled that, you know, one of his secretaries would do this thing of calling a racist person racist. Like... And so the, the argument that naive. they deploy... And the argument that they deploy is that... So, I, and I, I'm trying to give this a fair shake, their perspective on it, is that, yes, those racists are technically your constituents because it is a singular executive. I guess. However, <laughs> however, you don't fucking need racists' votes. Uh, you know, the, the role of the, the executive at large is to serve your constituents, and in this particular case, to serve the, you know, we can just blow past the dog whistle, the minority constituents right. that HUD is, is, is constituted to uplift and to support in their day-to-day lives in the country. And so it becomes this argument of the president presuming the mantle of the entire executive, and it's all great man shit again. It's just like, oh, well, you know, my vision doesn't doesn't allow for this, so you better go and apologize because that's not, not how this shit works without serving to further the goal of the department or to further the betterment of material conditions. Right. Yeah. It all, yeah. It just comes down to, you know, civility is more important than (laughs) than policy. It also comes to, they never articulate the consequence. Right. That they fear will happen if they don't pursue it. Just a bad press blow up, I guess. (laughs) That's it. And, and clearly that doesn't fucking matter because we never hear about Josh's secret plan to fight inflation again. Right. Well, uh, Presumably, they, they, we get to see the bad PR in real time of Josh's fiasco in that, it, it, you know, it had to go all the way up to the president. Yeah. So, and the, again, you know, it's it's very decorum-ish. It's extremely liberal to be like, guys, we can't have, we, we can't have conflict. We got to find common ground with what has functionally been a platform plank of an entire political party for 60 years you know we can't even obliquely orthogonally call that out through a surrogate without having to bend bend over backwards and and bend over backwards and apologize and apologize (laughs) and and try to downplay as much as possible and and foreverly never accomplish accomplish anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's just always what it comes down to totally and so our final topic is the uh, sort of main plot beat of the episode, which is that Robert, uh, Supreme Court, in case you don't remember, Edward James almost was our presumptive Supreme Court justice who has not yet been seated but has been nominated, uh, hasn't yet been confirmed, mm-hmm. uh, correct? correct? Yeah. Uh, still awaiting confirmation, but it's going to go through, presumably. Um, and he is arrested for uh, suspicion of drunk driving, but was never, uh, but refused the breathalyzer, which I assume in by Connecticut state law means that he get he gets automatically arrested. Um, and then so Toby and Sam do the titular celestial navigation to get to him, uh, and then Toby and the justice have a discussion about why exactly this went down. 
Judge? Absent, just cause, Toby. Breathalyzer's an illegal search and a civil rights violation. So you give Barney Fife a hard time to make a point. Point worth making. Not now. Yes, now. Right now. One phone call, Judge. Toby, this has happened. Tell him my name's Roberto Mendoza and the president's named me to the bench. They pulled me over because I look like my name is Roberto Mendoza. And I'm coming to rob your house. And um, and this is where we get into some of the really good bit of the episode. Well, so the initial, uh, the, the initial confusion stems from the fact that he is a confirmed teetotaler. Mm-hmm. The, the justice is a confirmed uh, teetotaler. Yeah. Not only that, Sam says he has a health condition, which if he got legally drunk enough to blow on the breathalyzer <laughs> to be detected, he would yes, be dead. he would be dying. <laughs> so he can he cannot drink uh, even enough to get drunk without dying. So uh, it is impossible for him to be drunk. So he was actually pulled over for driving while brown, in in uh, or driving while Hispanic, in his own yes. words. And I mean, this is this is a phenomenon that. Uh, our audience is most likely incredibly familiar with here. Hopefully familiar with. Uh, you know, if, yeah. if you're in a predominantly, which let me tell you, most of Connecticut, holy shit, predominantly wealthy and white people these days, even even the hint of suspicion of being having the wrong melanin content of your skin is often used as grounds to, uh, you know, de jure illegally but de facto whatever the fuck we feel like he harass you when you're out you know out and about right and for so furthermore the real the real meat of the issue here is that he refused the breathalyzer to make a legal point that it's illegal search and seizure uh because he knows what he's talking about because he's, you <laughs> know, he's, he's a, a judge justice of the supreme court yeah <laughs> yeah well, soon to be mm-hmm. um and then but really, what it comes down to is that he has, you know, his nine-year-old son and his wife were with him and had to watch him get arrested and, you know, the shame that it put him through and that, you know, his kid is going to remember it and, you know, that his kid's going to grow up to be resentful now because of this. Because And this is how, like, the cycle continues. Yeah, this is how you perpetuate the, you know, the institution. This is, this is systemic yes. racism. <laughs> Like, at its heart and core, this is what it is, you know, and this is why it's a huge, huge problem in our in our society and our, I can't put enough air quotes around the word justice, justice system. Yeah, and I think it's the, the, the carceral system more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so we get, we get this scene with Toby and EJO in the cell where it's... I go back and forth on this where where Toby's making the argument that it's just like we have to look forward and think about this pragmatically. But EJO is making the argument that he's just like, I if this happens to ostensibly the most powerful single brown person in the fucking federal government. What what do you think happens 40 links down the chain? to you know a day laborer to yeah and in a bart and in a nice interesting bit of like art predicting life here this is like extremely similar to that harvard law professor who was arrested for trying to quote unquote break into into his his own own house yes yeah that obama invited him and the cop over for the beer summit uh Uh, 
Yeah, because you know nothing's nothing heals since uh, of racism like a mil- like a Miller Lite. Yep, we can definitely <laughs> talk out thousands of years of preconceived prejudices because we can have we can have drinks together with two individuals. The um, <laughs> Miller Lite's not going to sponsor the podcast now. <laughs> Whoops! Oh man, God, we're we're on the cusp of breaking big here, but now yeah, we're in trouble. So it's. It's it's good. It's you know it's good that the ep- you know that we the episode writing brings light to the issue in this nice like kind of profound way and like I, to- Toby's sort of like devil's advocate here where he's just like yeah but wouldn't it have just been easier to let Barney Fife you know blow the <laughs> breathalyzer and be on his way and he's like no I wasn't you know I wasn't speeding I was you know I was fine and I the you know the strength of my convictions in, in this regard yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, arguably is like, isn't this why you want me? Because of the strength of my convictions. Exactly. Is really is really kind of the point here of like, would you, you know, how did I make it this far if not for the strength of my convictions? And, and also, you know, we have the kind of the subtle trivia stuff of this is that Mendoza started out as a cop. So right. he most likely I, yep. has seen... And then went to law school. Yeah, he has likely yep. seen the worst of this from the inside which Absolutely. gives him even more kind of moral fiber to go forth and fight it from whatever bully pulpit he's got um and the when the opportunity presents itself he sort of has to be talked down which is like okay pragmatism whatever we we get him out of jail and move forward with the confirmation but let's be clear again from a 2018 perspective like we just confirmed a rapist to the supreme yeah. court Give me a break. Yeah, so it turns out a little suspicion of drunk driving would have been <laughs> ah, in comparison. No problem, man. We'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> we write, write that off in five yeah. minutes in a confirmation <laughs> hearing and go on our way. Drink, if everybody gets pulled drinks over and all at some point. Yeah. Well, we get a couple. We get he a couple. Didn't even, he didn't even blow the breathalyzer. <laughs> what are you get? What are you getting me this for? <laughs> we get a couple beats where it's like Sam shows up and you know is trying to swing his dick around, and I think. It's, totally it's, they they resolve it quite quickly because it's like oh look we have a happen to have today's newspaper and it's a picture of this guy on the front of it barney oh my gosh but and it's just like you could have gone a different direction with this issue if you had wanted to push the sort of progressive side of it and had the cops laugh them laugh sam and toby out of the office yeah oh you're from the white house yeah i'm the queen of england honey <laughs> you know? sure thing guys why don't you just uh, skedaddle out of here and you see him like kind of rest his hand on his firearm or whatever yeah 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 we don't take kindly to you federal types around here but you know we it's it's a uh, it's meant to be wrapped up in an episode so yeah i i will i will say there's a nice little laugh bit here where one of the cops is like do you know like the nuclear codes and sam's like Oh, totally, I do. And the guy's like, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Could give two, <laughs> two phone calls and we could be going to war right now. Like, totally, no problem, man. That's so cool. And so we get this sort of weird, the, the, the conclusion of the saga is they put him in the car, drive him to the hotel, get his wife and kid and get on his way. And there's this weird um, apology well, They make the thing. cop apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I'm sh- would was the Mendoza character to go forward and be deeply involved in the series from here on out? Because spoiler alert, he's not. He is not. Um, he is not. <laughs> you you could have honestly, you could have had a several issues of story arc 
stemming from this where we go down the road of the you know the the routine and mundane abuses of the air quotes justice system but yeah this could have been like a big decision he provided over was like you know some sort of like institutionally you know racist offense that worked all its way up to the supreme court and is like you know effectively being tried you know, but spoiler alert, none of <laughs> none that happens. You know, the the Fourth Amendment, <laughs> and we never see Edward James almost again. It's sort of. I'm pretty sure, right? I'm pretty sure we don't. You're right. Um, yeah, it's somewhat prescient because there were some, there have been some turning points in Fourth Amendment law since this episode was filmed and released, where functionally your constitutional protections against search and seizures are gone now right so stuff like dui checkpoints and stuff like that have uh have sort of effectively worked around the fourth amendment <laughs> asset forfeiture in a variety of legal ways um, yeah um stuff like that yeah so 20 years down the road the landscape is much actually bleaker <laughs> <laughs> then we have uh, to deal the, with I smell the I smell weed probable cause that the dog indicated on your car all this yeah stuff. All, all sorts of things um, so would that which, we had yeah, so it would have been nice had you know Mendoza come back to make I- illegal Fourth Amendment violations his like key mm-hmm. thing but the show will not will not go back to that area and it's it's to deliver this point of I mean the continual point of the show to be like if if something bad happens, it is capable, we are capable of finding common ground, papering it over and moving forward. And in fact, that is, right. that is the, the best result. Once a, once a grievance has been addressed, it can be forgotten. And to go back to something that you can, we continually bring up, uh, in fixing this one individual issue as a representation for dealing with the systemic yep. issue. And because because of, we see it... We fix this one situation, therefore, it's all fine now. Yes, and because we see it presented in a way that is tidally wrapped up by the end of the episode, we can feel warm and fluffy about the fact that, oh, this is being, this is being illuminated... And therefore, it will. And this is God. This is the most exact. This is the most liberal thing possible. It's awareness has been raised, and right. so therefore, yeah, solutions some, are forced. Someone's someone's gonna work on it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And it's it's a little <laughs> and, disappointing and, because eventually, that's what. I mean, I fucking love EJO and his character. The conception of his character is very has a whole lot of potential, but we sort of get it gets CCH poundered. It's like well. Cool, you made this one point, and, and now we'll never, never see him you. again. So, yeah. Oh well. Uh, and and that sort of wraps up this episode of the Worst Wing. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm looking up the next uh, title. As always. <laughs> uh, you can always reply in our thread uh, in C-SPAM if you found us another way on SoundCloud. Shoot us a quick email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. <laughs> Nice. So the, uh, and the next episode, our next is episode, titled twenty hours in L.A., which is not oh. something you would want to spend these days, considering all of California is on fire. Yeah, twenty hours in L.A. very polluting on the lungs <laughs> yeah. at this particular moment. Yeah, uh, more so than usual. As a man who has spent several, several, several twenty hours in L.A., uh, I'm looking forward to this episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do believe it's a two-parter. Ooh, the first of many from here on out. Or 
or am I am I wrong? I don't here? know. I can't. I, I I honestly don't remember. Uh, it may or, no. I'm thinking of twenty. Um, I'm thinking of the campaign mm-hmm. one, uh, which is where like they spend in Indiana in or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but that won't that won't come up for a couple few seasons yet. Uh, but anyway, like I said, can't wait for that one. So we'll see you next week on another episode. All right. Take it easy, y'all. Bye. Bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal.